Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick. Hail to the Redskins, Wagner. Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. I'm just trying to get over the fact that I lost my last undefeated team to a stack correction right after the game, like we were talking about before the show. How are you doing today? It happens. Happens to the best of us, unfortunately. Uh, I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh, looking... Uh, Surprised by some things this week and whatnot. What what uh, what stood out to you from week five? I think. Well, first off, Joey Bosa apparently didn't get the memo that uh, pass rushers are supposed to take a couple of years to develop. He had five tackles and two sacks in his debut and only put in 27 snaps, I read. So, you know, I seem to recall another recent high draft pick who missed the first month of his rookie year but was pretty much unstoppable when he got on the field. Of course, I'm speaking of Odell Beckham. Hopefully Bosa can have a similar impact for San Diego. Those Chargers fans kind of need something to root for right now, I think. Um, now, I wouldn't want to start Brian Hoyer every week but he's probably a top backup in fantasy right now. He had 397 yards and two scores last week. Uh, Moving to New England, uh, Gronkowski was back to his old self. He's likely a must-start from here on out. Plus his teammate Chris Hogan, four catches for 114 yards, looks like at the very least a solid flex play now that uh, Tom Brady's back. Uh, And then in Pittsburgh, Sammy Coates is a guy who went six catches, 139 yards, and two scores. He's very talented, but he, again, struggled with drops, as he has pretty much his whole career. He could have had four touchdowns if he caught all the balls that came to him. You know, if you own him and another league mate offers anywhere close to wide receiver or high-end wide receiver, wide receiver one or high-end wide receiver two value for him, I think I would try to sell high. I just don't foresee consistent production, and you got to worry about if the Steelers are going to trust him less and less if those drops continue. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, good point there. Uh, yeah, Joey Bosa had two, like Nick said, two sacks. Raiders have only given up three going into that game, so uh, certainly good things by him. Um I don't know if you want to hear this, Nick, but is it time to be afraid of the Dallas Cowboys? I mean, they they are they are surging right now. Um, I don't, uh, and I don't know who's who's exactly going to stop them. It's, I feel like when they get some of this veteran talent back and going, they could be even scarier, don't you think? I do, and, you know, as a Skins fan, obviously, I'm hoping they just peaked in September. But, uh, you know, you're right. They do look very formidable right now. Yes, most definitely. Um, a couple of things that I had. Um, Eric Decker likely done for the year. That news broke this morning. A um, couple questions for you, Nick. Um, right, but first, I just wanted to point out, you know, watching the Gronk play, it was nice to see him back and having, you know, starter-worthy numbers. But I still don't see that full burst in him. He had that big, long 34-yard catch and run where he got knocked out right at the goal line. If you watch that play, you you see you kind of see him not fully going. I mean, obviously it's Cleveland and he's getting things done, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I just don't know how 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 well that hamstring is, and and if it's gonna if it's gonna linger throughout the season. So maybe like a seasonal format, or if you're not contending and you can get a boatload for uh, Gronk, it might be might be okay to pull the trigger. Because I, I just I don't think he's fully there yet, and 
you know, especially if he has a big two-touchdown game maybe here in the next couple of weeks, I, I wouldn't mind pulling the trigger and selling high on him. Um, also, also, Nick, I just wanted to ask you about a couple of things. Do you think the Falcons maybe have the best running back tandem in the league right now? Watching, I watched the replay of that Denver game, Denver Falcons game, and, oh, man, Denver had no clue what to do with Tevin Coleman. He was catching passes all downfield, catching slants. Freeman was just tearing him up the middle. What do you think about that Falcons tandem? Oh, I think you're right. They are, they are definitely the top tandem in the NFL. And what amazed me looking at the stat sheet was Kevin Coleman only had 10 touches that game. It seemed like he every time I would look at the screen, he was catching another ball. So really surprised me that he only had four catches and six carries because it just seemed like he was doing everything in that game. And, yeah, you're right. Uh, Devontae Freeman, of course, the lead back there, also very, very talented. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um what do you think about um, from San Francisco this morning about Colin Kaepernick starting? Any any thoughts on on who this benefits uh, besides Kaepernick owners? Who this benefits in the, in their offense? Um, well, uh, Jeremy Curley owners probably have to be a little bit concerned just because it did seem like uh, Blaine Gabbert had a pretty good rapport with the. Uh, with Curly there. So hopefully Kaepernick can keep that up because Curly was putting up pretty decent PPR league numbers. Um, but I think this is pretty much a matter of when and not if. I mean, Blaine Gabbard was not playing very good football, no matter what Phil Sims said. So, you know, hopefully this gives the 49ers a little bit better chance to win. Most definitely, yes. Um, yeah, you want to, I think Hyde, Hyde probably has a good case to see some things. Um, I don't know about uh, yeah. I don't know about the rest of those receivers and whatnot, like you said with uh, with Curly, Curly and them. That that could be uh, interesting to see how that all works out there for them. It's just not maybe not the best situation for them, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I I really don't know what to expect. I uh, on a more on a side note, I'm just wondering how Kaepernick's going to get that afro into a helmet. This is going to be pretty interesting just to see if the hair's coming out the ear hole or sticking out the back quite a bit. I mean, he's got a lot to contain nowadays. <laughs> uh, we'll see how that goes uh, there in, in Buffalo. Um, well, we got a great show for you today. Uh, as always, going to look to a little waiver fodder here in a second, but we have a great dynasty dilemma. We look at a couple defensive tackles and not Dominican Sue and Lindell Joseph. Uh, well, consider starts uh, for or against with Kurt Coleman, some dynasty trade analysis. Nick's going to rant. We haven't heard Nick rant for a while. Um, and then Chuck's going to stop by for some ATS time here, probably at about 55 minutes. So um, moving forward, Nick, who, sh- who should we claim on the waiver wire this week? Well, uh, Jacquez Rogers made the most of his start uh, for Tampa Bay against Carolina. And with Doug Martin's injury history, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Rogers ended up starting again at some point this season. I know uh, Tampa Bay is on a bye week this, uh, this week, so he's more of a stash, but probably worth the pickup. Uh, Brian Hoyer, I think, needs to be rostered in every league. Uh, Bobby Rainey isn't flashy, but he's got a pretty, pretty nice PPR floor as the New York Giants receiving back. Uh, Damian Williams, uh, he had 67 receiving yards for Miami last week. If J.H.I. continues to struggle, it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, if Williams saw more work there in Miami. And uh, also on the defensive side of the ball, Vic Beasley looked like a man possessed against Denver. It's possible that that was just because of the weak uh, right tackle that he was facing in that game. And he's probably going to be inconsistent moving forward, but I think he's a pretty good pickup in best ball format. Yeah, yeah, most definitely there. Um, 
Clay Meredith for, for Chicago had a nice coming out party. Adam Thielen did too. You know, these Vikings, it doesn't matter who's there. Stephon Diggs out. Thielen steps up. I mean, it's, it's quite the uh, quite the machine they got going on there. And a team that was probably looked at as not having a lot of wide receiver depth in the preseason uh, certainly, uh, certainly has done some really good things with what they have, even considering we haven't seen – Laquan Tread will get a target. I don't know if he's even played in a game yet, but he's I know he hasn't got a target. So that that's that's pretty interesting to see how the Vikings keep keep doing that. I think in a couple weeks they play at Philadelphia. That could be quite the uh quite the matchup there. Um also a couple a couple real waiver not necessarily waiver claims, but a couple NFL signings happened. Justin Forsett did officially sign with the Rams. And uh, Carlos Williams to Peelers. Um, any thoughts on either one of those guys? And you want any any part of Forsett or Williams right now, Nick? Well, I think short-term Forsett would probably be the guy to add uh, because Carlos Williams was signed to the Steelers practice squad. He's not actually on their active roster hmm. quite yet. But long-term, I would uh, I think I would stick with Williams. Uh, you know, we could, I could definitely see uh, Williams being the top, uh, the number two back there in Pittsburgh next year if they decide to move on from D'Angelo Williams, who's getting a little long in the tooth, even though he's playing pretty well when he does see the field. Uh, yeah, very, very good points there. Um yeah, I don't know. Like, you have to be a contending team, I think, if you're going to consider uh, putting a claim out there for four set, um, or if you're still holding on to him, and you're not a contending team. Uh, it's yeah, you just gotta you gotta look and see what I think you could get for him. It it really could be a good situation, but we know it's you know beyond this year, we probably not not anything. Um, yeah, Carlos Williams could certainly have. A, a nice future there if he stays stays with Pittsburgh and is elevated to that active roster. Thanks for clarifying that, Nick. Um, you know, with Le'Veon Bell's injury history, and I'm obviously talking, you know, probably 2017. If if they need a a guy to get those one yard touchdowns, Williams is certainly a bigger, thicker cat. So maybe he could be that that guy for this offense. Uh, in the future, maybe maybe near future, maybe next year. But that's uh, that's a, a nice ad for them. I, I like that. I think that's a good signing for Pittsburgh. They need they certainly need depth there because uh, what's his name Fitzgerald Toussaint, not not exactly uh, putting fear in people's eyes. I know he's a third running back, but that's, I like I like it better now that that's Carlos Williams certainly. Um, moving forward, oh, it's Dynasty Dilemma time. So each and every week we do this, we kind of pit two players against each other. Um, we like to pick, obviously, similar players. That's why it makes it for a good dilemma. So let's uh, let's get to Nagdamik Sue versus Linville Joseph. I had the chance to go first. So I, um, excuse me, I will uh, defend Mr. Linville Joseph here. But, of course, first got to talk about um, – Mr. Sue, uh, it would be really easy to hammer home all of Sue's disciplinary sanctions that he has endured throughout his career, but I'm not going to do that because, well, basically it would take too long. So he's a great player, but his IDP says to do not always reflect so. Even though he is the top defensive tackle, when, 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 when drafting him or acquiring Sue, it is imperative that you have a solid backup plan in case suspensions are handed down. He's a ticking time bomb, a tantrum, t- tantrum toddler who always hits back. 
His massive contract also means that Miami will have to draft extremely well in order to continuously put talent around him. His talent is real, but for but two years from now, opponents will just simply trim the edge to avoid him. Linville Joseph, or as Burgundy likes to call him, Linville Hungry, is not only on one of the best defensive units in all of football, he is also its anchor. This defense is visibly vulnerable, especially versus the run when Joseph is not there. Sue certainly... Sue is certainly a better pass rusher, evidenced by his 44.5 career sacks, but Linval produces a more consistent stat line. In fact, even though Sue is having somewhat of a resurgent year in Miami, Joseph is right next to him at the top of points for defensive tackles. Joseph turned just 28 on Monday, as a matter of fact. Uh, you know, I always look at NFL birthdays before we start the show, and there's never anybody interesting. So Linval Joseph turned 28 on Monday. So he could be entering his full-fledged prime. Meanwhile, Stubel turned 30 watching Joseph's, Joseph's team in the playoffs this year in January. Stu also has the name cachet, and Joseph is still considered blue-collar because he only has the 15-and-a-half career sacks. Yet right now, like I stated earlier, they are currently scoring at the same clip. They're, they are the same player. I own Joseph, and where I picked, I own Joseph. Where I picked him up on waivers, I also... I've also seen him drafted in rounds 26 to 28 in startups in 2014. I drafted him 27.6 in 2015. Uh, Sue went 8.4 in 2015 in the startup pick that I saw. And and in in, in rounds 23 to 24 in a 2014 start. I realize those ADPs are drastically different there for Sue. But still, getting a player even two or three rounds later, who is nearly, who is two years younger and almost as, and almost the same amount of experience as the player at the same position who drafted ahead, who was drafted ahead of him and a player that's past his prime. I'll take the younger player all the time, especially two, even two rounds later. Oh, and by the way, ADP shifted this season to round 17 for Sue and around 28 for Joseph. In fact, in six of the first nine mocks I saw for Joseph, to use this ADP, Joseph went undrafted. And Sue didn't make it past pick 22.02. Finally, the fact that Joseph is on a better team with loads of young talent around him should not hurt his value. Rather, it solidifies his future as a top defensive tackle. What do you think, Nick? Well, let's be honest. You know, you've said they're basically the same player on the stat sheet, and we are kind of splitting hairs here. Uh, these are two of the two best defense tackles in the game, but I do slightly prefer Sue. And uh, over their careers, Sue has been the better performer. Uh, in Joseph's best season, stat-wise, 2012, he had a career-high four sacks. That ties Sue's career low, while Sue's high was 10 sacks in the season. Uh, Joseph also has more of a recent injury history, suffering from turf toe last season and missing four games. Sue, on the other hand, hasn't missed a game since 2011, even with all the uh, the, the uh, suspension worries. He, he hasn't missed a game, so I, that, I don't really see that as a knock on him at this point in his career. Uh, Dominican Sue also has had over 50 tackles each of the last two years, and with 28 tackles already this season, including 12 in Week 2 versus New England, he's easily on pace to do that again. Now, coming into the league as the number two overall pick, 
plus the $100 million contract also shows that he is a higher pedigree player than Joseph. Uh, Minnesota, like you mentioned, has by far a superior defense to Miami's, but if offenses are going three and out all the time because of that defense being so good, that could really limit the tackle opportunities for Joseph in some games. Now, some people may be concerned that with the Dolphins playing what appears to be a lost season, that may affect the effort given by players like Sue, but remember, Sue played in five seasons in Detroit, so he's probably kind of used to losing. Now, again, these are both really good players, and <laughs> and Josh, you made a lot of good points, so maybe it just comes down to who has the cooler name, Linville or Nadamacon. Uh, I hope after uh, a great dilemma like this, Nick, you are at least versed in the correct spelling of Nadamacon. <laughs> I almost had it right. I think I almost had it right when I texted you. I was, I was so close. I think I had a, a, an E instead of a U there in the middle. Um, I cannot spell that defensive end name for uh, for Jacksonville, that rookie Yannick Nana Cow or something like that. Oh, I tried and I tried and I had to look it up. Fine. <laughs> uh, good points. Like you, like I said in my 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 dilemma part two, you know he is the better pass rusher, and that's that's certainly that's going to get give your defensive tackles bumps. Uh, you know, I think my point is just again that he's he's a little bit younger. And honestly, with with the kind of talent and speed the Vikings have coming off of the edge, he's going to get there's going to be sacks just handed to Joseph. I mean, he's already got three on the season, so he's looking to have probably a, a career year there. So, and it maybe Joseph is a better football player than Sue, just maybe not a, a sexier, flashier name. But I don't know. We'll leave, we'll leave it out of that unless you had anything else to say there, Nick. Uh, just that I do uh, really – I agree with your point about how uh, Joseph is a better value as late as he's going in drafts and Sue because of his big name does get drafted a little too early. But just, uh, you know, comparing him head-to-head value aside, I think I would still go see. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's easy. That's a, there, and I always got to play the ADP card. But uh, sometimes you need, to, <laughs> you need to dig deep, especially when talking about uh, defensive tackles. You don't have a lot of, uh, you know – stats or targets or things to look at there. So uh, Let's get to a little sit our start. Uh, I, I had to hit you with this one because this one is this is my brutal decision that I face every week, but I think this week it's even more brutal. Phillip Rivers at Denver, who obviously surprised a lot of people by losing last week, but they're going to be pissed off. Uh, is it at Denver or is it in San Diego? Uh, uh, or, San Diego. Or, okay, yeah, I thought so too. Okay. Or Andy Dalton at New England. What do you think? Well, I know Rivers is putting up the numbers this season, but even though division games can be a little funky, I just wouldn't trust him or almost anyone against that Denver defense, especially like you mentioned, Denver coming off a loss. They're going to be angry. And, you know, when you have an option like Andy Dalton, who against New England, let's face it, he's going to be playing from behind. So should be a lot of garbage time points opportunities there for Andy Dalton. I would definitely go with the Red Rifle. Okay. Another another signing that I saw is in big, big desperate need. Minnesota just signed uh, Jake Long to a one-year deal for some offensive line help there. And the Steelers, I didn't realize, cut David Cobb to make room for uh, – Andre Williams, Andre Carlos Williams, excuse me. Um, yeah, I think I 
think I agree with you there, too, but this is actually what I did. I saw Marcus Mariota was on the waiver wire, so I put a claim for him. Uh, he's playing the Cleveland Browns, Nick, so you can't fault me for sitting both of those quarterbacks and playing Mariota, right? Yeah, I would definitely play Mariota in that, in that circumstance. <laughs> Uh, um, and yeah, geez, I don't, I almost considered cutting the red rifle. I didn't. I'm carrying three quarterbacks in a 10 team league, which I guess it's a 10 team league, so that's, that's okay. It'd be weird if it was a 12 team league, but, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Mariota there. And if I had to, if I didn't get Mariota, I think, I think you're probably right with Dalton, but gosh, I, I in, in New England, that's just, both games just look so brutal, and that's obviously why I went to, but packing, but I guess um, I guess I would go with with Dalton. I think he could, and you know maybe we'll see Tyler Eifert. I should I should check on things before I say that. Maybe we see Tyler Eifert, and they don't they can't constantly put pressure on on uh, AJ Green and take him out of the game. So yeah, especially after last week and what the Chargers did, uh, I did ultimately start Rivers last week. So that was that was huge, and I and I, at the last moment I I was still thinking about it. Thanks. Thank goodness I did because uh, Dalton and the Chargers did. Excuse me, Dalton and the Bengals did not look very good there at uh, at Big B. Uh, Jack Prescott at Green Bay or Tyrod Taylor versus San Francisco. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I think Green Bay secondary is playing surprisingly well, and uh, Dak on the road, it, I wouldn't surprise me at all if he threw his first interception this week. Uh, whereas San Francisco's struggling offense could give Tyrod Taylor uh, more time of possession than he's used to, so that would leave for uh, more opportunities to throw. Uh, I probably would lead, lean Taylor, but it is pretty close. Uh, yeah, how about those Bills, huh? Another, another big win last week, 3-0, and so it's firing their offensive coordinator. Um, you know, it's not sexy, and it's not like Tyrod's putting up huge numbers, but they're they're getting the job done. Um, I, Jack at Green Bay, I know Dallas is hot right now, but this is going to be a really good test for him. So uh, as much as I would like to give it, Give him the nod. I think I would. I think I would just trust Taylor, like Nick said, with uh, that up, up tempo system of Chip Kelly and uh, a little bit faster guy at the helm and quarterback. We could see a lot more opportunity from Tyrod and uh, some people call him Ty God, but I call him Tyrod. And uh, we've seen him hit some deep balls too, so maybe he hits a couple deep ones of those to make his day there. So uh, I think we did this one last week, Nick. Um, Marcus Mariota versus the Cleveland Browns, or Ryan Tannehill versus Pittsburgh. Does it seem too easy to say Mariota here? Um, well, I just got to say for years, I thought that Ryan Tannehill would figure it out eventually, but it's looking like I was wrong. You know, maybe like their head coach says, it's mostly their offensive line's fault, but either way, I think I'm just kind of done starting Ryan Tannehill. Uh, you know, for this week, Tannehill, I think, likely has more passing yards, but Mariota has more touchdowns and rushing yards. I think I would take my chances with Marcus Mariota. You know, I, I totally feel what you're saying, but I feel like just because Pittsburgh could roll in this game that Tannehill will just have to be throwing the ball. And, if, you know, if if this game is, you know, if Cleveland is – or, excuse me, if the Titans are up by, you know, 10, 14 points at halftime, there's no reason for them to let Marcus Mariota run. It would be it would be foolish to let them run. Obviously, pockets break down and things happen, but – I just don't see them 
opening up their offense and com- completely, you know, destroying Cleveland because they probably don't have to. They can hand it off to, to Murray and Henry, you know, 40 times and just, just, just call it a day and probably win this game easily. So I, I feel like, especially if they get up, they'll try to eat as much clock as possible. Um, of course, I said the same thing about uh, New England not opening up their offense last week either, but uh, <laughs> they're a little bit different monster than Tennessee. So I think I would go Tannehill. I think he, I think he maybe gets a couple late touchdown passes to uh, to salvage a good day. Um, uh, Theo Riddick versus L.A. Still sounds weird to say L.A., but or Gio Bernard. At New England, what do you think? Well, Theo has been on fire lately, and as depleted as the running back position is across the league, I think that in PPR leagues, you guys are both starters. But for this week, I think I would uh, trust uh, Giovanni Bernard a little bit more just because I think that Cincinnati-New England game is going to be a shootout. I, I would guess that Gio has a little bit better shot at scoring a touchdown. Uh, I, I don't think Brandon LaFell is going to catch two touchdowns every week like he did last week, although he may catch one against his old team. Uh, I, I still think uh, Giovanni Bernard is probably the better play here. Yeah, just because, you know, we – we don't see a lot of slots from Jeremy Hill, and I refrain from doing Jeremy versus Gio this week. Um, we can do it if you want. But I just feel like I think Hill gets pretty much stuffed at the line of scrimmage all day long. That's going to open things up for Gio to hopefully, you know, even if he doesn't have a, a huge day, if he's going to get you that nice, you know, nice little floor, eight targets, maybe five or six receptions, you know, even if it's just, the, you know, six – Six catches for 40 yards. That's still, you know, that's still 10 PPR points. And if you, if you can get that out of your running backs, I think most people would be happy. You know, not, not everybody's gonna drop 36 on Thursday night like David Johnson did last week. So, oh, that was fun to watch. After that, I had David Johnson in the Arizona defense. After that, I had, I had 51 points after Thursday night. So, I feel like I always get screwed by players on Thursday night, but that was not, uh, not the case last week. So, that was fun to watch. Moving forward, uh, Melvin Gordon. I didn't even really say anything about theoretic. I, I with the like maybe you mentioned Forsett there next too, but with Forsett in there, um, may, you know, and maybe he just he'll see the field this week or a whole lot of touches if he does. But uh, I, I think this is a bad matchup for for Riddick. I know he had a sweet game against Philadelphia last week, but uh, Arizona, excuse me, Los Angeles defense is built built on speed and they should be able to cut Riddick down there uh, carving the edge I think um, Melvin Gordon at Denver or Matt Jones versus Philadelphia what do you think well, these guys are both kind of hit and miss, but I just think the Philadelphia defense, while good, they're not quite Denver's level yet. So I, I would probably lean Matt Jones, who did struggle a little bit last week, although he looked really good the week before. And Philly's defense kind of, uh, you know, they gave up a, a lot of fantasy points to Theo Riddick last week too. So I think I would lean Jones, although I don't love either of them. You don't think Philadelphia's going to be absolutely mad after just losing to Detroit? And and I guess, you know, maybe you can shed some light on this there too, Nick, but I mean Matt Jones has done like next to nothing last week and I just don't see that he's done a whole lot this year. What's what's going on with Matt Jones and are the Rob Kelly rumblings for real? It is a Rob Well, Kelly. you look at the care. 
Yes, it is Rob Kelly. Uh, Jones only had 14 carries last week, but Kelly only had three. So uh, I don't think there's going to be any timeshare happening quite yet. Uh, it's just uh, the play calling, I think, in Washington. You look at Kirk Cousins throwing 41 balls to Jones' 14 carries. As long as Gruden's calling the players, I think they're going to likely lean towards uh, the passing game a little more than the running game. Yeah, good there, too. But, um, you know, I think ultimately I, when I look at decisions like this, I always feel like, well, who's going to score a touchdown? Which one of these guys is going to score a touchdown? Well, I can honestly see both of these guys scoring a one-year touchdown. So if if you get to – if you factor in what teams could actually have the lead, I don't really see that. But maybe, you know, maybe – Chargers have do what they do all season long so far. Maybe they get a lead and, and have to lead on Melvin Gordon a little bit. So I'll give the slight edge to Melvin Gordon. Um, see if, let's see if the Chargers can find a different way to lose this week. That'd be fun. Um, I like to see him get really big and then lose it, but uh, we'll see. I just like picking on the Chargers. Um, Willie P versus Carolina. I gotta say something too, I, and I think this happened. Yeah, this happened last week. I think after the podcast, Carolina after their big loss to Atlanta, cut. Um, I can't remember his first name, but their cornerback Ben Wickery, who is like the most veteran corner on their team, when they're when they're throwing like three other rookies out there in their defensive back schemes. I'm just like, really, you cut the most veteran player when these rookies like. Bradbury are just getting all turned around. I just thought that was an interesting move there. And uh, what an awful game on Monday night, by the way. Um, but anyway, Willie Sneed versus Carolina or Terrell Fryer at Tennessee. Nick, what do you think? Well, if you're asking me who I'd rather own, I think I would go with Pryor long-term. I do love his upside. He's really turned into a pretty good receiver. Uh, but for this year, and especially at home like this week, I would go with Snead all the way versus the Carolina team playing on a short week. New Orleans coming off a bye, and you mentioned the struggles Carolina's secondary has had. Uh, it definitely seemed like uh, releasing that quarterback was kind of a scapegoat type of move. But, yeah, I, I think Snead has a big game this week. Okay. Good good point there. Um I don't know. I just we know all things point to Cleveland coming from behind in this game. And as much as they like to get uh Pryor the ball a whole bunch of different ways, I I think I would actually lean Kelvin Pryor this week. I I I just I just it's hard for me to trust one guy for New Orleans for consecutive weeks, and we and and maybe Steve comes back up and has another huge leak like he, like he did uh, week one, but uh, I, I just don't see that happening. As much as Terrell Pryor likes to get it, they like to involve him, you know, and in, in playing quarterback and rushing the football too. I just think there's definitely more opportunity for him to have a better game where Steve's kind of hit or miss. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, who's just disappeared lately. Uh, they're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars or Jarvis Landry versus Pittsburgh. What do you think they're I, I think in standard leagues, I would probably lean towards Alshon Jeffrey, uh, but you know, I, in PPR leagues, I've got to go with Jarvis Landry. Even though Landry was bad last week, he's got to bounce back in PPR formats, right? Uh, if he doesn't, I think I would start to panic, though, if I was a Landry owner, because that Miami offense just does not look like they know what they're doing at this point. Yeah, Landry had his career worst for uh, 
for targets last week. Um, It'll be interesting, too, to see how this Bears-Jacksonville game goes. Jalen Ramsey's probably going to be matched up in Alshon right away, but let's say that Cameron Meredith keeps, uh, you know, keeps destroying the other side. Maybe they switch. Maybe they switch Ramsey over to kind of slow him down. I feel like Jeffrey kind of gets off the snide this week, so I'll go with Jeffrey. As much as I would never, ever, ever tell anybody to bench Jarvis Landry. Um, and if you're, I like to look at my uh, my team too. Sometimes when I'm thinking about sit or start and and see see what the uh, projected score is. And if I'm favored, I usually just stick with stick with my guns and play my studs. But maybe if I am, you know, maybe if I'm like, you know, five, five to ten point dog or something like that, maybe I'll take a chance on somebody I think who could uh, rise up. And that's why I think that I, why I would play Jeffrey over Landry here if I was, if I was uh, maybe a, a, an underdog in the game. And any thoughts on, on playing your sit and start like that, Nick? I definitely see your uh, perspective there. Uh, personally, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to projected points. It seems like they're never very accurate. So, But I, I definitely understand the strategy. Well, and I, and I don't necessarily look at points individually. I just kind of look at them as a whole. I feel like that's maybe more, more telling than in each individual. And I, and I know they're exactly the same thing, but I think, I think maybe somebody out there knows what I mean. Uh, Randall Cobb, who had a nice bounce-back game versus the Giants on Sunday night, so Randall Cobb versus Dallas, or Will Fuller, who disappeared during against the Vikings. Surprise, surprise, everybody disappears against that D. But, uh, so Randall Cobb versus Dallas, Will Fuller versus the Colts. What do you think? Well, like I said earlier, I don't, I don't fully believe in Dallas quite yet, but they do make me a little bit apprehensive. So I think I would take Will Fuller, who, like you said, got shut down versus Minnesota, but now faces a much softer opponent in Indianapolis. But you know, I mean, according to Indianapolis' GM, it's Andrew Luck's fault their defense sucks, right? So I guess blame the quarterback even for the defensive struggle. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. If they wanted to trade Andrew Luck, I'm sure they could probably find a partner. But uh, yeah, I. <laughs> They they need to draft better. I mean, they need to stop spending first round picks on on their offense. The skills positions are. I mean, they even drafted offensive linemen this year, and it hasn't helped. So they need to draft something dynamic on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Robert Mathis 2.0 with something something to put fear in the eyes. And hey, maybe maybe Henry Anderson getting back into the to the shuffle there. It's been a little bit slow moving after with him coming off the ACL tear, but he's 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 starting to do some things. So maybe he gets going there, and that helps the defense. Gosh, they need something, that's for sure. Uh, but you're right. I would also go probably Fuller over Cobb this week. You hate to bench either one of those guys, but I'll 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 take Fuller just because we know this Colts defense is not very good. Uh, obscure tight end battle here, Dick. Will Ty, who I love. I know he hasn't done these year, but I just can't help but I love the guy. Uh, former Stony Brook Seawolf Will Tye versus the Baltimore Ravens or Austin Hooper at Seattle. What do you think? Well, to me, this completely comes down to whether or not Larry Donnell plays. If so, you know, Ty and Donnell are going to split targets and snaps, then in that case, I would side with Hooper. But if Donnell sits, I think Ty would see more work. So just pay attention to the injury reports on this one. 
Seattle had a bye week to prepare for Atlanta. They probably sat down and watched them dismantle that. But you can't tell me that they're going to be like, okay, we got to stop Austin Hooper. They're, they're target number one, Julio Jones. Target number two, Devontae Freeman. Target number three, Tevin Coleman. Austin Hooper is like eighth down the list there. So I, I think, like you said, you know, if Donnell doesn't play, I don't. I, I still don't know how that guy can see straight after that hit he took on Monday night uh, against the Vikings a few weeks ago. But uh, Donnell doesn't play; it becomes a little more interesting. But I think I would certainly go. Uh, I think I would go Hooper, even even if Donnell doesn't play. I think he could have a have a nice long. Even those games where he's had like one catch, it's been like a forty yard touchdown. So he's he's been doing all right there, even though he's the tight end too. But uh, I think I would. I think I would lean with the rookie Hooper just because they're not going to be uh, thinking about him. Frank Clark potentially uh, going to be matched up, trying to slow him down, so that's not not good news there. So I, I think I would definitely go Austin Hooper. Switching to the defensive side of the ball, uh, Mr. Nudamakan Sue, who we talked about earlier, versus Pittsburgh, or a uh, guy having a bit of a down year, but we know, we know that he can be uh, – he can be a force in uh, Kawan Short there at New Orleans. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I got to take Sue. Not only does Pittsburgh have a better chance of running the ball more, so more tackle opportunities, but Big Ben is famous for holding onto the ball for too long, and that could lead to the sack opportunities for Sue. I think this one's a no-brainer for Nandahab and Kansu. Yeah, you know, they say, what's the, I think the correct terms are three-step, five-step, seven-step drop, but uh, I don't know if I've ever seen Big Ben not take like twelve to eighteen steps. Like every time, he's just immediately boom out of the pocket, running to the sidelines. It's just like throw the damn ball. Seriously, uh, I, I hear you there, but I, I think I'm going to go with KK Short in this one. I think he's a like I said, he's had a bit of a down year, and I know this this Carolina defense as a whole has not been very good, but. This is another another division game for them, and they can get up for that. You know, you mentioned Jacquez Rogers earlier doing doing decent amount with his opportunity, but I I still wasn't impressed. The guy had 30 carries to get 100 yards. You know, that's that's not that impressive. So Carolina is still okay there in the middle, and I I feel like KK Shorts maybe got a couple sacks in in this game. Maybe, maybe he makes a big a big strip sack or a big play. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with short in this one because I feel like Pittsburgh's gonna gonna focus on not not letting Sue at the quarterback there. So I feel like I feel like short could uh, could rise up, especially since he hasn't been his dominant self so far in the season. So maybe he's a little bit easier forgotten. Um, another name I can't. Well, I can't spell or pronounce. Yannick Nanaku or Nanakau. That's uh, the Jacksonville rookie defensive end who's having a hell of a year at Chicago. Or Brandon Graham. Uh, is it versus Washington? Is that game in Washington or Philadelphia? Um, checking here. That game is in Washington. Brandon Graham at Washington. What do you think? Well, like you said, Yannick is having a great start to his career. He has a sack in his last three straight games. I think he's more likely to get another sack this week than Graham, who also has three sacks on the season, but Washington does have a pretty good pair of offensive tackles that are playing pretty well this year. So I I would lean towards Yannick in this one. Yeah, in this Philly wide nine defense isn't 
really made to showcase a player. It's more of a do your job. Different people will rise up every week there. I, I, I know Brandon Graham's having a decent year, but uh, I think I'd go with the rookie Yannick there as well, just because just because it's the Bears and they're not as nearly nearly a good a team as Washington is right now. Um, so I looked at my lineup last week and I was officially was going to start three Arizona linebackers in that uh, Thursday night matchup. I opted not to start uh, Marcus Golden uh, and I left Minter and Buchanan in there. Uh, they all actually had really decent games, but Golden had the best game. So let's, uh, they still can't ever bench Dan Buchanan, Nick. But what do you think about uh, Kevin Minter, who is their better linebacker, but isn't necessarily an, an IDP stud, or uh, Marcus Golden, who just had a, a nasty game on Thursday night? Well, I think Minter probably has a higher floor. Like you mentioned, he is an inside linebacker. But I would take my chances on Golden, who's already got six sacks on the season, including his huge week last week, two sacks and ten tackles. So, yeah, I, I think I would uh, have to risk the upside with Golden. I have loved Marcus Golden since he came out. Um, he was the opposite defensive end uh, for uh, Mizzou with uh, – Shane Ray, and even watching film, I just liked Golden a lot more than Ray. Ray's having a good year, too, thanks to some injuries that opened up some playing time for him. But uh, And I remember even having Bill Latin on this podcast several months ago saying, I love Marcus Golden, Bill. Talk me down. I did the same thing last year with Alex Okafor. Talk me down. And, you know, he's kind of a situational passer. But, man, he is, he's been a, been a beast so far this year. So, it's if he's available or if you own him, I think you got to play him while he's hot right now, uh, especially versus the the Jets. I think uh, he could find some uh, find some pager there off the edge. So I'll, I'll, I'll go with Golden there too. Uh, Jalen versus Jalen. Jalen Ramsey at Chicago or Jalen Mills versus your Washington Redskins there, Nick. What do you think? Or at Washington. Well, uh, this is a tough call, but since Washington's best pass catcher is a tight end, uh, I doubt Mills is going to line up uh, across from Jordan Reed very much. Uh, well, Chicago has a great receiver in Alshon Jeffrey, so I, I would guess that Ramsey sees more work this week. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, is Brian Hoyer smart enough to stay away from him? Does he deserve that respect yet? Um Mills didn't have as good a game as I thought he would uh, last week. Um, who, you know, who does he match up against Washington? I mean, he's probably their top quarterback. Uh, a little bit of surprise. He's probably their top quarterback. Do you think he he's on Garsadnik? Do you think he's trying to shut down Djax? What do you think? Um, I, my guess would be Deshaun Jackson because he is the most talented wide receiver there in Washington. Uh, but, again, even if he's on D-Jacks, if you get torched for a long touchdown, you don't get any points for that. you got to make the tackle. So I, I, would, I would worry a little bit. Yeah. And one thing to keep in mind in this game, uh, his IDP staff haven't been insane like they were last year, but Melvin Jenkins can cover he ran toe-to-toe in that game Nick was at with Antonio Brown. So I, I would probably see him getting in, in Jordan Reed's face. So if you have another tight end option, I know you don't ever want to bench a stud like that, but if you have another tight end option, I could I could see him maybe having a, having a slow game there. So 
I think I would go with Mills just because I feel like Ramsey might be locked up on Jeffrey only if Meredith has a huge game. Will they will they rotate that around? So I I think and I and I always said Jeffrey could have a big game, but I I don't I just think it could maybe just be a couple big catches or a big uh, a big red zone target there. So I think I will go with I think I'll go with Mills. Uh, moving forward, it's time for for our against. Um, this was where we pick a player, and me and Nick each come with uh, four talking points and just discuss. We, we pick a we pick a player, and we each pick a side. We each come with four talking points. Uh, I had the four side. Or excuse me, I had the against side, and Nick had the four side. So we'll Nick go first. Let's get it quick. It's time for four or against. First off, Kurt Coleman's been very reliable. He's in his seventh year right now. In his six previous seasons, he never played fewer than 14 games. Got to love a guy that stays on the field. Uh, it's always it's way too easy to call Coleman a ball hawk. So, but over the last couple of seasons, he's capitalized on some really big turnovers, and I think he's even done a few in zone dances or two. But I just don't think that can be counted on as a consistent contributor to his stat line. Maybe not, but he is a really good fit in that Carolina system. Last year, his first year in Carolina, he had a career-high seven interceptions and was only one tackle short of his career best. So it looks like he's a really good fit there, and I believe he's already got one interception on this season. Uh, He does, and it's a pick six. Uh, (laughs) His production is, I think, average to replaceable most weeks. Therefore, I think he is far from an elite talent. Yeah, he's probably not elite, but as poor as the Carolina pass defense has played this year, you know teams are going to be throwing against him, and that's just going to offer, open up more tackle opportunities for him. He's got 23 so far on the season. Um, his his path to Carolina wasn't necessarily so. I, I feel, and he hardly was like a full time starter prior to his arrival in in Charlotte, and I know. Maybe he looked like a starter, but he wasn't a, a, a majority snap share type of player. So I just feel like there isn't there isn't that background there. So I, I, I worry about him moving forward. See, I worry a little less about him moving forward, mostly because of his versatility. He's played both free, straight, free safety and strong safety in his career. So that's going to help. You know, if either the team brings in another safety, he can just switch to the other safety position, or if he moves to a different team, you know, he's able to line up in either spot. That definitely helps him stay on the field. Well, I think his seven – INTs in 2015 are just not sustainable. And even his pick six this year was pure luck after a tip ball. So I think 28-year-old journeyman will likely spend another offseason wondering about his job security there. I just don't like the guy. I just don't (laughs) – I know he's he's benefited and had some really big plays, but I just – to spend uh, a – a startup pick on him, obviously 
DBs are easily replaceable. But yeah, don't don't think they'll go into break the bank to require this guy. He's he's a nice fill in guy who has a big game here and there. So any any other thoughts there before we move on? Well, I agree with you. He's not an elite guy. He's not somebody you want to use a high pick on or even a mid-round pick on, but he is a guy that can be a valuable contributor here and there on your roster. Uh, certainly been more valuable than Calvin Pryor, who, is, who I cannot get enough of, and he still continues to disappoint me. But anyway, time for some dynasty trade analysis. Like, what do we think about Carson Wentz, Christian Michael, and a 2017 second for Andrew Luck and Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, I definitely would lean towards uh, Andrew Luck and Alshon Jeffrey. We know that Andrew Luck's a quality quarterback. We think that Carson Wentz is going to be, but he's only played for a month, so we don't know 100% sure that he is going to be as good as Andrew Luck. And Christine Michael probably doesn't have too large of a window there as the starter in Seattle, probably for the rest of this year, but you know, moving forward, I don't know, whereas Alshon Jeffrey should be a pretty good receiver in this league for years to come. Yeah, I just—that's not enough for me to move Luck and Jeffrey. That's not enough for me to move Luck. So I just—the um, I, I own Wentz and Luck in this equation, uh, but uh, that's yeah, that's just not nearly enough. Luck, Luck, even if he's stuck for another season or so, he's still the quarterback there, and he still has T.Y. Hilton, who's have a just ridiculous year. I think he had the best fantasy output of any wide receiver uh, so far. Well, besides Julio Jones, yes, he had a he had a hell of a year last year, a hell of a week last week. Excuse me, and he's just been on fire. Uh, Devontae Adams, Nelson Aguilar, and a 2017 second for Julian Edelman and Austin Hooper. What do you think? Well, this one's pretty close, and, you know, if we look back at this in five years, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Austin Hooper was the best player involved in this trade. But for right now, I think I'm going to lean with the other side, uh, Devontae Adams, Nelson Aguilar, and the second-round pick. Especially the second-round pick is what is the real kicker in this trade for me, why i got to lean with, with that side. Yeah, I kind of kind of agree with you there. And you can, you can never have enough young wide receivers and – you know, even if you're looking at a, just Edelman for those two receivers, that's that's a nice that's a nice get for uh, Edelman, who who is great, but he's older and he's not going to be around forever. Ad, Adams and Aguilar certainly have a lot of growing to do, but they could potentially, you know, be be fairly decent players here in the next coming years. Uh, Cameron Hayward for Hunter Henry. What do you think? Pretty simple there. Yeah, and I'm assuming the team that acquired Hayward is trying to win now, whereas the team that acquired Hunter Henry is probably looking more long-term. So I think this is one of those rare trades that's perfect. Uh, Assuming that that is the case with both those teams, I think this is a perfect trade, honestly. Uh, Spoiler alert, Cameron Hayward's going to miss the next two to three weeks with an injury. So I can't remember what the injury was, but I immediately thought about, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that trade when I saw that news. I think that came down to – either yesterday or uh, Monday morning. But, uh, you know, Henry certainly produced a lot more than at least I thought he would. He's been a nice a nice part of that offense, you know. And the week before, Hamlet had an absolute monster game there for Pittsburgh. So he, he is towards the upper echelon of uh, this event. He's a little inconsistent. I was fortunate enough to play him off waivers last year. But he, he is a little inconsistent. He'll have a huge monster 
two and a half sacks and uh, you know five or six tackles, and then he'll have like one tackle and two assists. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a double edged sword with a lot of those defensive ends like that. But uh, I think, like Nick said, this trade makes a lot of sense for both people involved. Um, Demarius Thomas. This one, I kind of go back and forth on this one because you're looking at a whole lot of potential on the other side. But Demarius Thomas for Kenneth Dixon and a 2017 second and a and a fifth. What do you think? Uh, I, I personally don't think this one's close. I got to side with the team that acquired Demarius Thomas. You got an elite wide receiver in exchange for a second round pick, fifth round pick, and a backup running back. I know Dixon could eventually surplant, uh, get a starting job there in Baltimore, but uh, yeah, at this point, he's still the backup to West. So right now, I definitely would side with the team that picked up Thomas. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a huge Dixon fan. I think he's going to be a nice dual threat. Do I think he's ever going to be a top five running back in this league? I would like to think so, but I, you know, I'd probably bet against that. Um, but I think if you're, you know, if you're not contending, you can move a piece like Demarius Thomas and get a few, uh, few lottery picks out of the deal. I think it's not, not a bad move there. So I, I see both sides, but I, I mean, I definitely would say the uh, Demarius Thomas side as well. Uh, yeah, not a bad trade, but I, 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 like I said, I see both sides there. So, um, it is time for Nick Grant, something that we haven't done for a few weeks now, but uh, always gets me excited when I get give my co-host the floor to kind of rant about something that's on his mind or uh, bothering him. Uh, sometimes I like to call him John Spider. Sometimes uh, just makes me laugh. So Nick, what do you got for us for Nick Grant? So we all know that over the last few years and decades, the NFL has become a more pass-friendly league, and a natural repercussion of the rule changes has given us more offensive coordinators that are passing game specialists, save for a few teams like the Titans. Unfortunately, sometimes the coaches get so attached to their system and their passing attacks that they refuse to run the ball even when it is working, and that is why I commend the Ravens for firing Mark Tressman. Now, I'm not saying Tressman is dumb or shouldn't coach again, but last week the Ravens faced a defense that was gashed by Isaiah Crowell from the Browns the week before and gave up 95 yards to Baltimore's running back Terrence West on only 11 carries. That's 8.6 yards per carry. The week after, Crowell had 7.5 yards per carry. And now no other running back on the Ravens had more than four carries, but Joe Flacco threw 46 times for 210 yards. So the quarterback throws four times as many passes as the lead running back gets carries and barely gets twice as many yards. You know you know the the running back averaged 8.6 yards of carry. They're still going to throw that much. I just don't understand it. Thank goodness Baltimore has some accountability there. You know, some coaches have too big of an ego, which probably comes across well in interviews for the job, but when a coach refuses to adapt his system to his players' strengths or the game flow, it just won't work, period. And now I fully admit that I'm more fire-happy than most owners are, and that's probably (laughs) a good thing that owners are a little more patient than I would be, but I do have to applaud this move. What do you think, Josh? I hear you saying a great point about the interview process. These guys have a, you know strong egos there, but I don't. I don't feel like this was a patient move at all. They're three and two. I mean, it's not like they started zero and five. This was you know one game, and, and weren't they down? I mean, they weren't getting any points. I mean, I don't know. I think it was a little bit of a panicky move, and I don't know the ins and outs, and I didn't watch the game, but I just. I don't know. I just feel like it's a little bit of a panicky move. It makes sense. They were tearing it up on the ground. 
and they should have done that to to, uh, to set a precedent. But uh, I I just I don't know. I just I feel like it was a panicky move. You want to adjust things, you tell them. You know, you're not you're not the head. You're the OC. You're not the head coach. Let's do what works. You know, I think there could have been, and like I said, I don't know what's going on behind closed there, closed doors there in Baltimore, but I think there could have been adjustments made. They're three and two now. They're going to start over again with Marty Morningwick, who has like five career wins as a head coach, and I mean he's had some success as an OC, but I just, I just, I don't know. I don't. I don't Get it when you're three and two and you're starting over again from scratch at this point in the season. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But again, I don't know what happens behind closed doors. What kind of relationships were uh, were crossed, or what kind of you know what what exactly happened there? So I I'm still just a little surprised by the move. A little bit of a panicky move. You're three and two. Why do I get rid of somebody? Uh, you know, back to the drawing board. Let's get him next week. This is working. Let's stick with that. You're the head, you're the head coach. Tell him what to do. You know. Uh, speaking speaking of that game, Nick, how about Crowder's punt? That was fun to watch. I think I watched that replay like five or six times. That was pretty awesome. Uh, but anyway, it's time for some ATS picks. We have Mr. Chuck Podesky patiently waiting on the phone. Chuck, are you there? I'm here, guys. How's it going? Very good, good. Hopefully hopefully our picks were, were good too, right? Josh, I hope you had a good time in Vegas last weekend. I'm sorry I didn't get to see you. It was kind of That's crazy right. here. Yeah. What's that? I, I, my, I was going to say, my wife surprised me with a trip to Vegas on Friday afternoon. I had no idea about it. And if I would have known about it, I obviously would have contacted you earlier. But I was just like completely flabbergasted and just kind of shocked the whole time. But, yeah, we did have a good time. A lot, a lot, of, uh, a lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah, that's okay. I, I I just want everybody to know if you have any friends in Vegas, um, if you live here, it's really a big hassle to try to go down to the Strip on a weekend. You know, finding uh, <laughs> finding a parking place and actually negotiating. It uh, doesn't mean that they don't want to see you. It just means that uh, you don't know, meet them outside of the Strip at a, at a local's place or something like that, and, and it's a lot easier. But anyway, I was really sorry I didn't get to see you, and I hope you had a great time. We did. We did actually. Uh, another DFW member, Bill Latin, happened to be coming to Vegas on Saturday night, so I had breakfast with him on Sunday morning. So that was uh, a nice little surprise. Um, oh, Bill yeah, was here already. Okay. He came on Saturday night. Yeah, it was kind of, kind of oh, a okay. surprise too. But we had a we had a good time, and it was. Uh, yeah, I totally hear what you're saying, but uh, yeah. Uh, we he took, had uh, uh, no Bill. Bill Uber. had contacted me, but I thought he was still he still hadn't come yet. He didn't tell me what dates he was going to be here. I'm surprised that he was coming already. So tell, give him my apologies, and I will uh, I will do that myself. Cool. Yeah, we took uh, Uber everywhere, which actually was probably the cheapest thing to do in business. So. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's that's the way to yeah. go around here. And I hate to say anything against the taxis, but. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's really catching on around Las Vegas, pit, uh, getting Ubers. Yeah, definitely. It's just so cheap. I, mean, I think we spent thirteen dollars, yeah. thirteen dollars to go to, to go to and fro on Saturday night. So that's pretty nice. Yeah, and you usually get somebody friendly too. No. <laughs> I didn't have any friendly people actually. <laughs> they didn't want to say a word, but hey. They oh really? Point a to, they got it from point A to point B, so that was maybe. <laughs> 
Well, just quickly, just to wrap this up, I always prefer Lyft. They seem to have the uh, the nicer drivers. But um, nonetheless, I'm glad you got around okay. And uh, last week, none of us really could brag about our uh, records. <laughs> but it wasn't too bad, you know, by the same token. Um, I ended up eight and six. Josh, you were seven and seven, and Nick, you were eight and six. Also, you know, and the the one that really would have made a difference was the one that we that you guys lost by a half a point, and I won by half a point. Uh, that was the Raiders game, Josh. They uh, they won by three, and they were favored by three and a half. Those jerks. <laughs> The Chargers well, just seem to find that, you know, like everybody's been saying, the Chargers seem to find a different way to lose every week, and uh, and it's going to be interesting what happens this Thursday night. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what do we got on Thursday night? Thursday night, it's the Broncos traveling to San Diego, and uh, the Broncos are favored by three, and I don't know if you have heard anything about Simeon or not. I couldn't really – find uh, anybody committing to whether he's going to play or not. What have you heard? Um, I guess I saw a report yesterday that he wore shoulder pads on the Tuesday practice, and I guess nobody ever does that. So they were testing things out. So that, that could be a good sign. And, you know, Paxton Winston had a horrible week last week, and I think they figured some things out. So I, I don't think it's really going to matter. It's not like – Maybe Simi is better, but it's not like he's a huge jump jump up there. So, um, but you get the plus three is what you had. Yeah, the Broncos favored by three, and it's at San Diego. Yeah, yeah, I think, like I said earlier in the show, I think the Broncos are going to be pissed off, and I don't care if this game is in San Diego at Philip Rivers' backyard. I think they're going to, I think they're going to take care of business. I'll go with the Broncos minus three. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you, especially if Simeon plays. I think the Broncos win this one in a blowout. If Lynch plays, I think it's a closer game, but I think they can still cover the three-point spread either way, so I'm going to go with Denver. One, everybody, uh, this this should be a lesson to everybody. Um, remember when Paxton Lynch came in for Simeon in the, I believe it was their game against the Bucks when Simeon got hurt, and he looked pretty good. And then the next weekend, Atlanta just seemed to have Simeon's, or seemed to have uh, Paxton Lynch's number. And everybody should never get too excited about a quarterback coming in the middle of the game, having success, and then not having success the week after that. Because simply because the team that they're playing has had a chance to have a whole week of film on the new quarterback, and they know his tendencies, and they see a little bit of him, and they and they are more prepared for him in the next week. You see this happen a lot. A new quarterback will come in, he'll look good, and everybody will go, hey, he's just as good as a starter, yada, 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 yada. Well, you know, you see what happened, especially to a young quarterback like Lynch. The uh, the Falcons were just a little bit better last Sunday. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take San Diego in this game. The Chargers uh, at home have the capabilities to play the Broncos toe-to-toe, and uh, no matter who starts. Now, I had heard that that uh, Simeon may have been well enough to play last weekend, but they just wanted to give him – they knew the Thursday night game was coming up, and they wanted to give him a couple more extra days of rest. So I'm expecting to, uh, expecting Simeon to play, but I'm looking for the uh, the Chargers to find a way to lose by, by one or two points in this game, and maybe by three, and maybe it's a push. But I'm going to take the Chargers here. Okay. Moving along to Sunday, Cincinnati Bengals are at New England, and the Patriots have that uh, eight-and-a-half-point favorite uh, title or label over Cleveland. So uh, you look for uh, New England to get a big win on Sunday, Josh. 
Wow, that's so many points, but I feel like New England usually doesn't disappoint. Uh, Tom Brady's homecoming. Oh, I don't, I don't like it. In fact, I might even hate it. I'll, I'll take, uh, I'll take New England. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I'm with you. It seems like the Bengals are kind of a mess right now, uh, two and three, and they got pretty much steamrolled in Dallas last week. So New England's definitely a better team than Dallas, in my opinion. Uh, so I think New England probably wins this one by double digits. Anybody who uh, follows college football knows that it's tough to ever get a good line on Notre Dame because everybody bets on Notre Dame, and you're always going to give a little premium when you bet on the Irish. The Patriots are kind of the uh, the pro football version of Notre Dame. You they're they're always just because the public loves them so much you're never gonna get a good line. In fact this line is up to nine and a half and ten at some places on our board. You know, we use the uh the uh the line from the Westgate here in Las Vegas just simply because um we want to make it all uniform. Uh so New England favored by eight and a half. Um Cincinnati's that team that's that will look really bad one week and then look really good the next week. Last time they went into New England they kinda got tromped um, I'm going to look for the Bengals to put up a pretty good fight here, and I'm going to take New England, or I'm going to take, uh, I think New England wins the game, but I think Cincinnati keeps it close here on Sunday, so I'm going to take the Bengals. I knew you were going to do that. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I was I wrong last week when I took the, I was wrong last week when I took the Browns, so, you know, don't take any solace in that. I just, uh, I just, uh, I'm, I'm tired of the Bengals looking like a world beaters one week and not the next. So uh, it, it's their weekend to, to look a little better. All right. Next game on the board is the Giants. They're at home, favored by three over the, uh, you got, who you guys were talking about just a little while ago, the Baltimore Ravens. Oh. I I want to believe that the Giants can do something, and I'm really hoping to see something from that team offensively on on Sunday night. It was a it was a rough showing. Um, Baltimore doesn't have as good a defense, but uh, I I guess I'll take the Giants. Why not? It feels kind of boring taking all these favorites, but I guess I'll take the Giants. You know, I'm going to go with Baltimore, Eck. I'm going to go with Baltimore. Uh, they fired their offensive coordinator. We saw Buffalo fire their offensive coordinator a few weeks back, and they haven't uh, lost a game since. Uh, a lot of times that's just kind of the spark that a team needs. So uh, the Giants, they're, you know, they've been playing okay to kind of hang in games that really don't seem to be able to win them outright. So especially, you know, with the three-point favorites, uh, the Giants being three-point favorites, i got to lean with Baltimore. I'm going to take the Giants here just for one for one big reason, and uh, I don't know if you guys saw that. I believe it was their last touchdown was that touchdown to Odell Beckham. I think he in, in that touchdown, even though I don't you know upon review, I think it maybe wasn't a touchdown, but they but they couldn't overturn it. Nonetheless, it, it uh, I think it's kind of lit a fire under Odell Beckham, and uh, you know this is on a lot of these games we've had enough games this year that we can start looking that I'll start looking at my fantasy statistics uh when I handicap games and and the Ravens are 20th against the pass against wide receivers so I think Beckham will be back this week and I think you'll see a big offensive output from the Giants so I'm going to take uh, the New York Giants minus 3 good point there Carolina uh, what- 
Go Sorry, ahead. One thing I wanted to say about uh, about Nick's theory, you know, especially with with the new OC, you know, some, I guess like I said earlier, you know, sometimes you feel like they're starting over from scratch, but when you when you put in a new OC this point in the season, maybe maybe even the guys at the bottom of the depth chart offensively get you know get excited and ramp up their game because they think it's going to get them on the field. So maybe. Maybe that oh, helps yeah. that team reality. I mean, I uh, I totally agree with that, and and it's kind of like uh, when teams change coaches in the middle of the season. You know, that new coach will bring in new blood and a new fire and everything like that. But you know, let's face it, like you guys said, Baltimore wasn't doing too badly with uh, with Mark Tressman. Um, so it, it wasn't like they were 0 and 5, you know, or 1 and 4. Yeah. Um, they they were doing okay. So I don't know how that's going to work, but that is a very good point, and and uh, and and that's one thing you're you're going against if you take the Giants in this game. Yeah, look at look at Miami did last year after they fired their head coach. They looked immortal there for a couple weeks. Sure did. Okay, New Orleans is at home, and a rare home underdog role for the New Orleans Saints. The Panthers come in as three-point favorites. Seems too easy to take the to take the Saints at home, but I'm going to do it just because they're coming off of a bye. Um, they they had a little bit more time to prepare for this game, so I and I guess Cam. It's interesting. Cam's prob, probably going to play, I guess, uh, based on that line. But I'll I'll still take the Saints. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, the battle of two one and three teams, but uh, with New Orleans playing at home, I have to take them. If it was in Carolina, I would definitely go the other way. But the Saints at home are pretty tough to beat. So especially if you're giving me points, got to take the Saints. Yeah, I'm going to make it a sweep here. Um, I think Carolina is a little bit of a house divided, and especially with their with their suspect secondary. Uh, Drew Brees should have a good game here. Um, their offense hasn't uh, hasn't set any records either, right? You know, it, you know, like you say, Josh, it almost looks too good. I feel kind of guilty taking New Orleans because it looks like a layup, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and take them. We'll sweep that with the Saints. Yeah. Next game, Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. They're seven and a half point favorites over the Miami Dolphins. Oh wow! Seven and a half point home dogs. I uh, yeah, I don't have any confidence in Miami there, so I'll, I'll take another, yet another favorite. What do you think? Yeah, I also got to go with Pittsburgh, and I it wouldn't surprise me if Antonio Brown beat uh, beat Miami by over seven and a half points by himself. So. Yeah, plus you got Le'Veon Bell there they have to contend with, and the the whole offense in Miami is just a mess right now. So definitely going with Pittsburgh. I gotta go against the Dolphins until they show me something. Um, they seem to have gotten worse. Remember that the first game of the season they had that close loss to Seattle. Well, they've gotten progressively worse every game. Their defense is 15th against running backs, and worse than that in every other category. So. Yeah, it uh, unless the world ends before Sunday or something, you know, a comet hits the earth or something like that. Um, I'm going to say Steelers. Jacksonville is in Chicago to take on my Bears. The Bears are uh, a home favorite over Jacksonville, but only by two and a half points. Why don't you go first there for your Bears? <laughs> I think the Bears. Uh, 
they're a team on the on the upswing. They're a they're a buy low right now. Um, I look for a big effort by Chicago because this is a game that they know they can win, and um, Jeffrey should shine in this game also. As far as the uh, if you're uh, playing fantasy, uh, Jacksonville is 24th against wide receivers. There's been a lot of talk about getting uh, why isn't he throw, why isn't Hoyer throwing to uh, to Jeffrey any more than he is. Um, I'll look for them to uh, I'll look for him to make I'll, I'll shun Jeffrey happy this week. So I'm going to take the Bears minus two and a half. Okay. Um. No, no offense, Chuck, but could this be the who cares game of the week? I mean, both these teams are <laughs> probably not. Probably not playoff teams. What people want to Jacksonville to be one. Probably not. Um, Jacksonville shows shows nothing really on through. So I'll 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 take the Bears. Why not? Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, Brian Hoyer's got the Bears playing a lot better than they uh, did recently under Jay Cutler, and Jacksonville seems to be headed the opposite direction. Gus Bradley has got to be on the hot seat there uh, as, a, as a head coach for the Jaguars. I really thought Jacksonville, coming into the season, I thought the Jaguars would be a much improved team. That hasn't been the case, so definitely got to go with uh, the Bears at home. It was kind of funny. Everybody's making a big deal about will Tony Romo be the quarterback when he comes back for for <laughs> Dak Prescott. Well, there's not a whole lot of controversy over whether Cutler will get the job back when he's healthy again. I don't think anybody cares. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, as a Bear fan, I'm kind of rooting for Hoyer because as much as I have uh, defended Jay Cutler in the past few years, he just doesn't seem to care very much, and Hoyer does seem to care. So, so it, it, it'll be good to see Hoyer uh, remain as quarterback. All right, San Francisco 49ers are in Buffalo this Sunday, and the Buffalo Bills are favored by seven and a half points. There's that hook there. Wow, I don't. That seems like a lot of points. Does that that change with? Has that line moved at all with Kaepernick and name starter? Let me uh, check that. Let me check that. Started out at seven and a half. It got as high as eight, and now it's back down to seven and a half. Well, there you go. Kaepernick worth a half a point. Unofficially, I say that. Um, I Buffalo is they're world beaters at home. They are. That team is a hard out at home. Uh, Sam Fran comes all the way across country. I don't know if it's a wounded dog theory because it's not a it's not a yeah, quarter, injured quarterback being replaced. It's an ineffective quarterback being replaced. So I think San Francisco is going to try to figure out who they are with Kaepernick under center. And Buffalo's been playing really good defensively, so I'll, I don't like it at all. But I'll take uh, I'll take Buffalo. If you got if I got to choose, I'll take Buffalo minus the seven and a half. Nick, what do you think? For me, that's too many points. Buffalo may win this game, but I don't even know if they're going to do that. I don't. I don't know if the Bills are a good enough team to win four games in a row. Um, plus the fact that you look at the 49ers and starting uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, the Bills have no film to to watch to study to see how Chip Kelly is going to use an athlete like Colin Kaepernick. So I think the 49ers may not win this, but they'll keep it within a touchdown. I think. 49ers don't have a bad. Defense, although they wouldn't, they're 22nd in the league against running backs. Um, they are 
rather good against wide receivers. They're twelfth against wide receivers. Um, I had this picked, and this is only because I think Buffalo has just been Buffalo has been good the past few weeks, and I think the line's a little bit inflated on them. I'm going to count on Chip Kelly to have some kind of plan here. And like you, Josh, I'm not real strong on this, but I'm going to look for a way for Kelly to find a way to keep this one close. And uh, I'm going to take San Francisco plus the points here. Okay. The L.A. Rams are in Detroit to take on the Lions. The Lions favored by three and a half points. A lot of three and a halfs and seven and a halfs this week. I suppose this could also be a good year team, but uh, wow. I don't know. This could be a low scoring affair, too. Um, but like we always say, this isn't one of the games that Jeff Fisher wants to win, so why not? I'll take Detroit. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, Detroit looked really good. Uh, last week against the Eagles, and I think they can come out and, like you said, Jeff Fisher in his division games, we talk about this almost every week, but you know, he's good in division games, not so good out of the division. We saw that last week when they lost to Buffalo, 30-19, uh, I believe, so yeah, I, I'm going to have to go with uh, with Detroit at home. Yeah, we seem to have hope for the, for the Rams, and then we kind of lost it last week. The Rams' defense is not as good. I mean, we talk about their defense, it's its really not that good. Um, the statistics have, haven't borne it out yet this this uh, this year. Nothing wrong with taking the Lions at home. Uh, that The, the three-and-a-half kind of worries me, but I'm still going to – I'm going to take the Lions um, and uh, give the three-and-a-half points here. Okay. Cleveland Browns are in Tennessee. And the Tennessee Titans are favored by seven points. Oh wow! So many big, so many seven-point spreads. I just don't like it. But uh, uh, this seems like a winnable game for Cleveland, but that's 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 also like a <laughs> when they have a sense of hope. I feel like that's when they let us down the most. So uh, I'll take I'll take Tennessee. I'm going to go the other way. Like you said, it seems like a winnable game, and Cleveland probably doesn't have a whole lot of those on their schedule. So I think the players are going to really get up for this one and you know give 110% the old cliche. So I'm going to go with the Browns. You know, hopefully they can get a win here, but I think they can at least cover the spread. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Browns, too. The Titans, uh, I think, are a little bit overrated just based on their win last week. And, and right now everybody's saying Miami could be the worst team in the league. Um, so they got a win over Miami last week. But, uh, you know, to give up seven points, to be a seven-point favorite, to have a team that's really not that good, um, no matter who plays quarterback for Cleveland, I'm still going to take them to keep this one close. So we'll take the Browns plus seven in this game. Philadelphia Eagles are at Washington to take on the Washington Redskins, and the Eagles are two-point favorites on the road. Nick, what do you think? 
Well, I was all set to take Washington until about two, three minutes ago when I got an update on my phone that Jordan Reed is now in the concussion protocol. So, you know, Henry, in this late of a stage, it's tough to envision him being able to suit up on Sunday. So for that reason alone, I am going to go to the Eagles. Gosh, that's a surprise. Jordan Reed's on the injury report. <laughs> hasn't he hasn't he spent a lot of time on there in the last few years? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Let me see so, if that has affected the line much here. No, it's still two. That's Vernon Davis, you know, that's that's the next man up in that offense. He's he's maybe still got a few uh few few things left in the tank there, but uh with Reed in this game I, I would still take Philadelphia. I we saw Pittsburgh bounce back after a horrible loss, and I feel like we're going to see that Denver and Philly this week. So I'll, I think Philly's going to—they're going to make this a statement. They want their division, and uh, unfortunate—that's unfortunate for the Washington Redskins. So I'll, I'll take it. I'll take Philly easy, lock of the week. Why not? <laughs> Josh. Well, you hit on one of my points, and that's the fact that it's a divisional game. And Philadelphia is what they're four and zero now, or five and zero. They they had a bye week, right? They're uh... four and one. Oh yeah, they lost, didn't they? They yeah, they lost last week. But nonetheless, Philadelphia has not played a divisional game yet, and it's a whole new ball game, especially for a young quarterback when you play a divisional game, and especially in the NFC East like this. So. I'm going to count on that uh, rattling him a little bit. I don't know about rattled is the right word, but the intensity is going to be a whole new ball game for uh, Carson Wentz and the Eagles. I'm going to look for the Redskins to win this one, uh, and I'll take the two points. Kansas City Chiefs are traveling to Oakland, Josh, to play your Raiders, and this game is rated as a pick em. Just pick the winner. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to count on reverse psychology here. I'm going to take Kansas City because I don't I'll, this is a this is a game that Oakland needs to win if they want to be considered to be one of those next two teams or you know what a playoff team four and one tied to the leading division. Kansas City. It, it's a tough test. They they play obviously it's a division game. These two teams know each other better than most most teams with not a lot of turnover in the off season. I I want to take I want to take Oakland, but I also really really want us to win. So I'm not taking <laughs> and don't don't listen to me when I'm picking this game. <laughs> It's tough. I pretty much coin flip. Uh, so being that, that it's so close, I'm going to go with the team that's coming off a of bye week and is going to be nice and fresh and healthy and rested, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. So if I'm going with Kansas City. I don't love it, but that's, that's where I'm fighting right now. Well, here's how even this here's how even this game is if you're going uh, by by fantasy rankings. Uh, the Chiefs' defense is 27th against running backs and 25th against wide receivers. The Oakland defense is 25th against running backs and 27th against wide receivers. So uh, it, it looks like a wash for me from that point. But, uh, you know, Nick, you said it, it looked like a uh, – it is a pick em game. Um, but I'm going to take the home team here. So I'm going to take the Oakland Raiders. 
Interesting yeah. game happening in Seattle this weekend. Uh, Seattle Seahawks are at home against Atlanta, and the Seahawks are favored by six and a half points over the Falcons. That is ridiculous. <laughs> when was the last time Seattle's been less than a favorite at home? Seriously, like 2008? I mean, this is ridiculous. That's that's too many points. I will take – I'm going to take Atlanta. I don't think they can go up there and win, but this is going to be a nail-biter field goal type of game. So, I'll, I'll, I'll take Atlanta. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, as good as Atlanta looked against Denver uh, last week, and I think right now Denver's got a better defense than Seattle does. I, I can't pick against Atlanta until, you know, I know historically the, the Falcons tend to get off to a hot start and then falter off towards the end of the year, but i gotta, I got to keep picking them until they, until they do start to slide. Yeah, at this spread, uh, six and a half points, I'm wondering, uh, you know, to myself, how huh, – how they're going to get anybody to bet on Seattle, but there are those people who still think just Seattle is just an awesome team up there in the dome, and uh, and they probably have to make it like this. I'm gonna I'm gonna look for Atlanta to show they're for real this time, although it's going to be tough, you know, taking two two long trips in two weeks. But I still think that they're going to battle them right down to the end, and uh, so you know if that's what I think, then I'm going to have to take the underdog here and uh, take Atlanta plus six and a half. Dallas and Green Bay, the Dallas Cowboys, are uh, four-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Green Bay Packers. Well, I know Green Bay hasn't blown anybody away this year, but that Dallas defense is it, it's getting better. I think, like I said earlier, they're going to get some veteran talent back here. But um Aaron Rodgers is going to find its weakness and he's going to exploit it. So I'll, I don't don't love it, and I really talked the Cowboys up while surging, and I, and I think this game could go either way. But I, I I'll take a look. I'll take take my uh, take my chance with Aaron Rodgers in this game. So I feel like this could be a really high scoring game. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't love either team in this one, and you got to figure at some point uh, the wheels are going to come off uh, on that Prescott's amazing rookie year. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be this week or not, but I know Green Bay's secondary has been playing pretty well, so I am going to go with Green Bay, but uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't touch it if I was in Vegas. Well, I think, and, and I'm not a Cowboy fan. Um, and I have some fantasy players on the Green Bay team, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Cowboys plus the four and a half. I think they are for real. They're they're playing like a with all kinds of confidence here. I really didn't haven't liked what I've seen out of Green Bay the past couple of weeks. They they seem confident they're gonna win the game, but they aren't blowing anybody out. So it'll look like a close it'll look for a close game here, and uh, and you know maybe Green Bay wins it at the end, but I'm still gonna take the Cowboys plus the points. Sunday night football is coming up. Another barn burner. The Colts are at Houston, and the uh, Texans are favored by three points in this game. I want to let Nick start, and I'll tell, I'll tell you why after he talks. Nick, what do you think? 
Um, I, I think if J.J. Watt was uh, playing and healthy, I think I would probably lean towards Houston at home. But I just cannot believe in uh, Brock Osweiler even going up against a suspect Colts defense. I can't believe that Osweiler is going to be able to out out uh Andrew Luck. So i, I got to go with the Colts in this one. There it was. The Osweiler hate. I knew it would come out of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you can. I think this this uh, could be a, a, a pound, you know, a, a heavyweight fight. There could be a lot of points dropped in this one, too. Um, but I think there's enough people left on this Houston defense to make a couple plays. And uh, they're going to they're gonna keep Andrew Luck moving in the pocket all day. And that, that's always going to open things up for fumbles, for interceptions, for sacks. So I'll, I'll take Houston. Okay, why not? You know, for years, the Colts have been just the kings of the AFC South. I think they tell themselves, as long as we can beat all the rest of the stiffs in our conference, then we can make it to the playoffs, or in our division, we can make it to the playoffs. Um, they are only one game in back of Houston, and they've already lost one game in the division, and that was over in London to Jacksonville. So I am going to look for um, I look for the Colts. They, they just have this mentality that they're the best, in the AFC South, and they're going to carry that with them, and we'll look for the Colts to win this game and uh, and pull even with Houston for the lead in the uh, in that division. I'm going to take the Colts plus three. On Monday night, we have an interesting game. I don't know why I'm so interested in seeing this game. It just uh, you know normally they'd say it's a who cares game, but Arizona favored at home over the Jets by seven and a half points. And I, I just I enjoy watching the Cardinals team, and I think it's because of Bruce Arians. Nonetheless, Arizona uh, favored by seven and a half over the Jets. Ah, uh, well, Arizona looked awesome last week, even after what was possibly the worst first quarter of football I think I've ever seen. I mean, how many incomplete passes were there in the first quarter of that game? That was just brutal. Uh, but they, they came back around. Carson Palmer's going to be back. Um, even still, if he takes a big hit, I think Stanton can make enough plays. So I'll, I'll take Arizona. I don't I don't feel very good about it because they are Jekyll and Hyde this year. They're awesome one week and bad the next. So we'll see, we'll see how that works out. Uh, obviously, you know, different quality components and whatnot. And, uh, the Jets can get after the quarterback. They have some speed on defense, too. Uh, Revis is speed up and questionable. And that's bad news when you're facing a team that's got uh, three awesome wide receivers and your top quarterback is not 100%. So I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take Zona. Like I said, I don't love it because they've been so tech on high, but I'll take Zona. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I also have to take Arizona, and it's not really so much about Arizona and how well they looked last week, but just how bad the Jets have kind of looked this season at one and four. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick maybe should have, uh, maybe the team should have uh, gotten him there in uh, the OTAs a little bit sooner than they did uh, with this whole contract dispute. But yeah, the Jets just don't look to be anywhere near the team, especially offensively, that they were last year. And now losing Eric Decker for the season definitely doesn't help. So I think Arizona wins this game. I know it's a lot of points, seven and a half, but I'll still side with the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm looking for a pretty easy win by the uh, the Cardinals here also. For one, Bruce Arians uh, will, will get them prepared for the game. and, and the, But the overriding reason is that the, the Cardinals pride themselves on turnovers, 
And, uh, you know, what's Ryan Fitzpatrick done the last couple of weeks? Uh, he's thrown interceptions. So, you know, the, the, it's kind of funny when, you know, when the Cardinals get interceptions, they actually, I mean, they, they, they try to run them back for touchdowns. So if that happens at least once, that'll, uh, that'll provide the margin we need. So I'm going to take Arizona and their defense to, uh, to beat the Jets by, by uh, well, more than seven and a half. Take the Cardinals. Okay. Well, we got through them. I believe I said let's shoot for a 500 last week, and I think you guys were over, but I was I stayed uh, I stayed even. So hey, we did it. Maybe we can improve on that this week. What do you think? Yeah, let's uh, let me run down the the ones we uh, we had a clean sweep on, and people will know who to bet ag- uh, bet against this week. We all took the Saints. We all took the Steelers. We all took the Bears. We've all got Atlanta, and finally, we all took Arizona. So one, two, three, four, five clean sweeps this week. We all bet against Seattle at home. How dare us. Yeah, that's strange, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you know, and that that Atlanta defense is actually coming together. They were missing most of their starting linebacking core last week. And, and they still won a game. You would not expect that to happen uh, when, they, when they're going, especially into a hostile environment like Denver. And I know their offense isn't, isn't uh, top-notch, you know, Peyton Manning, 50 touchdown passes, but uh, still, I think, an impressive win. So. And I'm not trying to overreact for last week, but we know, yeah. we know the Falcons have been putting up the points this year. So. Well, I was about to—I was about to make a comment on that, Josh. Too, you're right. You know, if Atlanta would have gone into Denver, and maybe the Broncos would have won by a touchdown, um, then this line probably would have been about, oh, you know, eight to nine points. So we're paying a little premium on how well Atlanta did last week, but we're also counting on the fact that Atlanta is on a roll. They've got a lot of confidence, and uh, they're going to give uh, give Seattle a good game. So it, it's going to be a real interesting game to watch for me. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Chuck, as always. Thanks, guys. It was great. Thank you, and have a good week. Talk to you next week, buddy. Okay. Bye, you guys. Okay. Uh, Well, that is all we have for you. Um, Nick, just a quick question that popped in my head earlier. Um, You ever feel really weird talking about the waiver since our waivers don't process until Wednesday night (laughs) before I know these leaks together? Yeah, a little bit, but you know, we gotta do what we gotta do. And speaking of waiver claims, uh, you mentioned Vernon Davis is the next man up in Washington at tight end. If you're a say a Kyle Rudolph owner and Minnesota's on a bye this week and you don't have another tight end, Davis could be a good streaming option. Obviously he's not gonna help you long term, but just for one week, eh, you could you could do worse. Yeah, yeah. He's he's actually put up decent numbers with Jordan Reed and that team too. Maybe he gets leaned on for uh uh, for a bigger role. And I guess I kind of feel weird talking waivers to you. I just like to throw as many names as possible if I throw you off. <laughs> I, I, will, I, will mention, I will mention this. I have um, one claim in DFW48, and if it holds true, it's going to make a lot of people talk. So I, I, <laughs> I, I've, never, I've never done something like this before for this, this type of talent. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what... Uh, See what happens. You, I think you know what I mean. What happens? DFW forty eight. Look at those Lakers. Very, very nice. Uh, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good.
has been the Dynasty Pulse. I am Joshua Johnson. He is Nick Wagner. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, stay tuned to DFW for all your Dynasty and redraft needs, uh, even daily. Yep. Great daily content coming out there each and every week, so make sure you check it out. Refer to DF Dynasty, excuse me, DynastyFootballWarehouse.com for all your... Podcast with Nikki, Gil, 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 G